Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Unbothered with Josh Morani. It's been a while, about a month, but I am happy to be back doing a podcast, and there is so much to cover that I want to cover that I can't get into in just one podcast, one episode, but I'm going to hit some of the major points that have stuck out to me the past month. Baker Mayfield, earlier in the week, getting the trade that he wanted. He has left the Cleveland Browns. I react to that. Rob Gronkowski retired. Wasn't expecting that one, but he calls it quits. What does that mean for the Bucks? Then the executive, you know, coaches, polls, uh, co- players have been polled for their top 10 players in each category in the NFL. I'm going to react to some of their lists. Then the Warriors won the NBA title. Not what I wanted. I get into that. Then the drama of Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Donovan Mitchell entering the conversation as well. So, full show. Let's get started with Baker Mayfield getting traded to the Carolina Panthers for a conditional fifth-round pick, I believe. Uh, It could turn into a fourth-round pick, but he gets to go to Carolina. Cleveland is retaining about, or is paying about $10 million of his 19 guaranteed. Carolina's paying around four, and he took a pay cut as well to make this deal happen. That's how much he wanted out of Cleveland. To me, it shows he was desperate. He wanted out, and whatever happens to Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, Baker knew he was not going to be involved, that they signed Jacoby Brissett uh, to be the backup as well. So it was a messy situation from the start with Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns, and I am happy for Baker. I am happy he is leaving leaving the Browns, otherwise known as the Clowns, uh, because to me, the way they have handled this situation from day one is foolish. Now, as I have said previously, Baker has not done himself any good with his remarks, uh, the way he acted, and of course, playing through injury when he should have just shut it down during the season and not continued. But I think if anybody wins this trade, it's the Panthers. Um, Why? Because the uh, Browns don't get a high draft pick, a fifth or a fourth round pick, kind of meaningless um, to the Cleveland Browns. Um, They got their guy in Deshaun Watson, and now the key question with him is, how is he going to play this year? What's the suspension going to be? We are still awaiting word on that officially. So we don't know what's going on with Deshaun Watson, but they have Jacoby Brissett, and if they have to, you know, go through half the season with Jacoby Brissett, maybe even a full season uh, with him, this uh, Cleveland Browns team uh, will not be as good as some Baker-led teams in the past. Um, But for Baker, he gets a fresh start. Uh, And to me, the great thing about Baker, one of the good things about Baker, is he is great when he is the underdog with a chip on his shoulder. And to me, that is what led him to be so great in Oklahoma and was why he was the number one pick. Um, Part of his greatness uh, with Oklahoma is because he had the chip on his shoulder uh, with Texas Tech. And, you know, that is when he plays his best, uh, when he has that sort of external motivation, the chip on his shoulder. That's what I love about Baker. But planting the flag at Ohio uh, State, you know, one of his most memorable moments. I love it. Um, 
then, you know, you're drafted number one overall. You sort of lose that chip on your shoulder because you have a number one draft pick. Um, where is that external motivation coming from? Uh, he was going to be the guy, um, and it just didn't pan out in Cleveland. Now he's traded. A lot of the media, half of them, are saying he's washed. Uh, he's not that guy. He's more of a bust comparing him to Jamarcus Russell. And to me, the story is not over with Baker. Because guess what? Now he's traded the Panthers. He's highly doubted. He's not guaranteed the starting spot yet because he's also going to be competing for that quarterback job with another quarterback who was part of that same draft class, picked two spots uh, behind Baker, Sam Darnold. So to me, you know, is this elite-level quarterback competition going at it? Well, let's say if Tom Brady and Rodgers were on the same team, like that's a crazy quarterback battle. No, nothing like that. Or some of the things we see in college, you know, the Mac Jones and, you know, uh, Jalen Hurts and things in college where there's multiple great quarterbacks um, that could start. Is it like this? No. But it's, to me, still very intriguing who's going to be the starter. I think Baker Mayfield will be out. Sam Darnold, I think he now has that chip back on his shoulder. I think that shoulder that he has the chip on will actually be healed now. Going into the season, he got a surgery on the torn labrum and the rotator cuff and everything. So he should be healthy, uh, ready um, for the start of the season. I think he wins the starting job. I know Sam Darnold has an extra year of knowing the playbook, the system, but I think Baker Mayfield fits in with Matt Rule, who's more of a college coach. I think this is good for Baker, and if things don't work out, uh, then he can sign in free agency uh, wherever he wants the following year. But week one, you get the Browns and the Panthers playing in week one. Baker playing against his former team. I mean, you could not script this any better. Um, most likely Deshaun won't play. To me, it doesn't matter because it's the hype is going to be there. The Browns organization who ditched Baker wasn't mature enough. We'll see who gets the last laugh for now in week one. If Baker's starting, I'll pick the Panthers to go ahead and win that game. Uh, that, that to me is going to be a very exciting matchup. Happy for Baker that he's moving on. So now that Baker's moved, to me there's only one quarterback left. And that's Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, he is the only quarterback um, sort of question mark out there. Because are they going to trade him? Are they going to release him? Keep him? What are they going to do? There's been reports that uh, if he's traded, you know, he could get traded to the Seahawks. That swirling around. Uh, and to me, that's the last team without a quarterback. Um, their quarterbacks right now, Geno Smith and Drew Locke. And I feel bad for all Seahawks fans if that's the quarterbacks uh, that you have to watch for 17 games. Because uh, I'll just do a quick rundown. Every other team's got a quarterback. San Francisco has Trey Lance. You know, Jimmy G, dependent, but they got Trey Lance. Arizona, Kyler. Ram Stafford. Carolina's now got Baker. They added Sam. Uh, they added Baker, but they had Sam Darnold. Atlanta, they went out inside Marcus Mariota. They drafted Desmond Ritter. The Saints, uh, Jameis Winston. Uh, Tampa Bay, of course, Tom Brady. Detroit, I think, is set with Jared Goff, at least this year. Chicago's got Justin Fields. Minnesota's re-signed Kirk Cousins. Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, New York Giants, uh, Daniel Jones, at least for now. Uh, Washington traded for Carson Wentz. Uh, Philadelphia. Uh, Jalen Hurts, Dallas Cowboys have Dak Prescott. Denver traded for Russell Wilson. The Chargers have Justin Herbert. The Raiders have Derek Carr, Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes. Jacksonville drafted their guy in. Um, Trevor Lawrence, Houston has Davis Mills. Uh, and if they're not set on him, I project this team to be very bad. Don't think they'll be trading for anybody. But then they can draft a quarterback. 
Indy traded for Matt Ryan, Tennessee, Ryan Tannehill, a Baltimore Lamar, Cleveland got Deshaun Watson, uh, Pittsburgh, uh, they drafted their guy in Kenny Pickett, Cincinnati, Joe Burrow, the Jets, Zach Wilson, Miami, Tua, New England, Mac Jones, and Buffalo, Josh Allen. So it's really Seattle is the only viable team. Now, if they want to go with Texans route and full on tank, so be it. But if they do that, I think Jimmy stays if he doesn't get traded. Because if he gets cut, then he could come back to Seattle, you know, and he, to me he's a very good quarterback, and he could come back to haunt you for a game or two, uh, you know, and it won't be decades long or, you know, huge, but, you know, Seattle is given San Francisco fits if Jimmy goes over there. Um, he knows the scheme very well on offense and defense, practicing against those guys. You put Jimmy G in there, I wouldn't say it, you know, kills San Francisco's playoff chances, but, you know, I trust a team more like the Rams to beat the Seahawks, and if you don't have Jimmy G and he's on the other side, that could hurt because that one game could cost you the division. It could cost you uh, seeding in the playoffs. So I think San Francisco's playing it wise, and why not have Jimmy G? He's taken you to two NFC Championship games and the Super Bowl when he's healthy the past three years. So uh, I don't see the need to move Jimmy G. I don't. Tr- I definitely am not cutting him at all whatsoever. That's not happening. I'm either trading him, even if it's for a fifth round pick like a Baker Mayfield, or he's staying for this year and I'll let him walk next year. But there's no way I am cutting him and having him come back to haunt me at all. At least with Baker and the Browns, he traded him uh, out of the conference. You know, of course you play him this one year, but it's not very often. You'll be saying Baker Mayfield, if you're a 49ers, you don't want to see Jimmy G again. Uh, because even though he's not the greatest by metrics and stats terms, he's a winner. He is a winner, and I've got to hand it to him because of that. Other NFL news, Rob Gronkowski officially retired a few weeks ago. To me, that was huge because when he was partying up in Tampa Bay, you know, when Tom Brady retired and then he said he came back, uh, you know, Gronk was down there saying, you know, I'll probably resign, you know, um, I'll just wait for the right moment, you know, give Tom Brady a little taste of his own medicine. And he actually retired. That one kind of shocked me. I thought they were going to go out together, but this one shocked me. Maybe it didn't shock the Bucks too much because they did um, make a couple uh, draft picks for a tight end to kind of expect this. But to me, this is a big loss, at least for the uh, beginning of the season until they get Chris Godwin back. Uh, and who knows when that will officially happen. So to start out with, you're going to have – Mike Evans, Russell Gage, and, you know, Cameron Brait, but a couple other unreliable, or I should say unproven tight ends. I think, uh, and there's some tough tests early, you know, the Cowboys, um, the Saints away, it's always tough for the Buccaneers, uh, the Packers, Chiefs, so that those first four games are very tough, Gronk being Brady's uh, blanket, his safety valve, and especially in the red zone as well, where Gronk still uh, and Brady are just have a linked pathway. That's going to be very, very difficult to replace. Um, and I don't think he gets um, replaced early in the season. I think he does have a you know a good rapport with Mike Evans, especially. And Chris Godwin, but it's going to be interesting to see him out there without Gronk again. I think because of this, they might uh, use a little bit, or they might run a little bit more. They re-sign Leonard Fournette, their offensive line, still a beast. Um, I think they do that and try to open up more play-action passing. I see this offense being more play-action than just Tom Brady uh, dropping back, throwing it 50 times a game, Um, like I've seen the Bucs do a lot. In the past two years there, I think they're trying to open up the scheme more, 
motion more, um, and that'll help Brady out um, without Rob Gronkowski. But to me, that is still still a big loss um, and one that's not going to be an easy pill to swallow for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, being one of the greatest uh, tight ends of all time. To me, the greatest um, tight end of all time. Um, he's got the accolades, the championships, um, the rings, uh, some records as well. He's, uh, he's, to me, he's the best tight end uh, to ever play of a game of football. And if I think injuries didn't derail a lot, you know, some of his career, um, it would definitely be more definitive uh, than a debate. Now, time to move on to the... NFL's top players uh, sort of list by uh, position where uh, 50 league executives, coaches, scouts, players um, have kind of graded the top players. So I'm going to start with quarterbacks. And there to me is a big discrepancy there. They have... Tom Brady at four. I'm just going to go top four right now. They have Aaron Rodgers at one, Patrick Mahomes at two, Josh Allen at three, and Tom Brady at four. Now, remember, this is who they think the objective is the best player right now. This isn't a projection or an achievement award, just the best quarterbacks today right now. And I don't think Tom Brady should be four. If we're talking about right now, um, his arm strength, you know, having the most, you know, it's not decreased being a 44-year-old quarterback, the most passing yards last year, um, most passing touchdowns. His QBR was one tick behind Aaron Rodgers. His accuracy throwing the deep ball, uh, was amazing, immaculate last year. Um, so to, to him to be number four, uh, when the last impression we had of all these guys, it was Aaron Rodgers, um, the typical great first drive for Aaron Rodgers against the San Francisco 49ers. Um, and then he disappeared after that. He disappeared. And guess what? Now he doesn't have his reliable safety net, which to me is much bigger in Devontae Adams. Uh, And Aaron Rodgers, you know, in his last 16 postseason games, I believe is 9-7. and Um, So to me, he's a back-to-back MVP. His start of a season, his regular season, it's great. It is. But come playoff time, Big moment time, he hasn't showed up in 10 years. Just the facts. He has not showed up. You know who has showed up? Tom Brady. So for Tom Brady to be four and Aaron Rodgers be one, to me that's a slight. I think Tom Brady would take it as a slight as well. Um, you know, is he is one of the best quarterbacks, his intangibles, his leadership. And the fact, you know, one NFL coordinator said, Brady – is the ultimate end-of-game player. He is the last shot in hoops guy. Ball in his hands wouldn't take anyone else. End of quote. And it's true. If there's a two-minute drive, one minute, whatever, who do I want with the ball in their hands? Tom Brady. I know he's not going to make the big mistake. He's going to manage the situation. He's going to be methodical. Get your team into field goal range. Get the touchdown, whatever is needed. Because Tom Brady has been in every situation imaginable in football. Last memory I have Tom Brady compared to that of um, Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady led his team back from 27-3 and tied it up at 27-all. And, of course, the defense, um, you know, just absolutely blew it. So, there you have it. Josh Allen. Is it three ahead? I like Tom Brady, of course, ahead. I think Josh Allen is terrific the way he's improving his accuracy, his completion percentage, 
you know, year one was so shaky at 50%. I said, I don't know about this guy. This year, just a tick under 70. The addition of Stefan Diggs has immensely helped him in the way that they use him in the motion now. Josh Allen, it's terrific. I love watching Josh Allen play of a quarterback position. The strong arm, the accuracy now, um, he's, to me, he's the whole package. Uh, I enjoy watching him play. Patrick Mahomes last year, to me, too many turnovers, too many forced plays. And then, you know, especially in the first half of the year, second half, he clamped down on it. But guess what? Those problems rose back up again when it mattered most against the Bengals in the AFC Championship game uh, where they came back and lost. Now he doesn't have that elite wideout in Tyreek Hill where he can dump it off to him and Tyreek Hill can take it to the house. Yes, he's still got Travis Kelsey, his check down guy, his third down guy. But to me, the big play is no longer there. Sky Moore, he'll have to develop Juju Smith-Schuster is not that guy. So I'm a little worried about Patrick Mahomes right now. I think as a talent, he's great, but Tom Brady in his career has also got the better of him. So out of those four quarterbacks, I think those are the four best quarterbacks in the NFL. But if I had to rank them, I'd go Tom Brady one. I probably would still take Patrick Mahomes two, Josh Allen three, or Aaron Rodgers three, Josh Allen four. Um, to me, interchangeable um, there. Uh, but to me, yes, the biggest thing is having Brady at four. Um, people just find ways to beat Brady down. Is uh, a 44 year old, you know, don't give him the respect that he, he deserves. But when he goes back out on top with his eighth championship, we'll see who's still talking. Then after that, you've got your Joe Burrow at five, which I agree with. Uh, to me, I've said for a while now that he is Brady esque, calm, cool, collected in the pocket. I think of that nine-sack game he had against the Titans. Still won the game um, in the playoffs. And his completion percentage, uh, highest in the NFL last year. He's got his boy Jamar Chase. I mean, uh, Joe Burrow, to me, is one of the next great quarterbacks. Uh, many have gotten Matthew Stafford, uh, Justin Herbert. I might have Justin Herbert ahead of Matthew Stafford. But I'm fine with both those guys being in there. Same with Russell Wilson. Uh, uh, Deshaun Watson is in there. That's one I don't agree with because we haven't seen him. Haven't seen him in a year. So I can't judge Deshaun Watson. I don't think he should be allowed to be in the top 10. I personally have Derek Carr in there. Dak Prescott's in there. Um, and I think you might put Lamar in there just because he's won an MVP. Uh, and Dak, you know, to me, is not an elite quarterback. He's not shown up in big moments as well. He's been very inconsistent throughout his career. So that's my reaction to the NFL's top 10 quarterbacks. And now I'm going to go to the wide receivers. Number one on the list, Devontae Adams. I agree with that. To me, still the best of the best a wide receiver um, totality. If I have to choose one wide receiver fantasy as well, I'm picking Devontae Adams. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, he was doing the same thing. So to do it multiple years in a row, um, even when defenses are scheming for you on how to stop you when you've already done something once and you do it again, Yet another time when you have career highs in receptions and yards, um, to me that just shows how good you are. But defenses, no matter what they plan to do to stop you or adjust you, and you're still amazing, um, I've got to hand it to Devontae Adams. To me, he has the best route running in the NFL. Um, his release um, off a jump of a snap is the best, um, his yards after catch as well, um, to me is very good, even moving from Aaron Rodgers 
to Derek Carr. I'm not expecting a huge drop-off. I'm not because Devontae is that guy. He's been doing it multiple years in a row, 1,400 yards and four-plus uh, in the past four seasons. Only wide receiver to do that. Um, I've got to give it to Devontae. He's the best wide receiver right now. Two is Cooper Cup. I'll give it to Cooper Cup. I'll give him it too. Um, the reason I won't put him at number one, if we're just going to go by a one-season basis, I'll give it to him. Um, but like I said about Devontae Adams, doing it for back-to-back-to-back seasons, I want to see Cooper Cup do that. Um, I know he's got Matthew Stafford now, um, where this past year he was a triple crown receiver, led the league in catches, yards, touchdowns. He also did it in targets as well. But I want to see if this trend stays um, or – if, you know, the defense is already in a scheme around him. I mean, he just found ways to get open last year. He just did. I don't know if it was a breakdown in coverage or if he's just that slippery. Um, but we'll see how it goes this year. But Cooper Cup had one of the greatest wide receiver seasons in NFL history last year. So there's no disrespect putting him at two at all. Now, three and four, to me, it's a healthy debate. Three is Jamar Chase, four is Justin Jefferson. And to me, this this is where you get difficult because uh, I would put Jamar Chase at three. I was talking about this last night with my brother. Of course, he's a bigger Justin Jefferson fan. And, of course, he'd put Justin Jefferson at three. And to me, I agree with Jamar Chase at three, even though being a rookie, winning rookie of the year in his one year, um, you know, he just, he was amazing this year, 81 catches, 13 touchdowns, 455 yards. And he only, you know, had 120, 30 targets. Uh, whereas Justin Jefferson was in the 160 range with Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup was at the 180. So those guys targeted much heavily than Jamar Chase and Jamar Chase still got his, I mean, his 11 and a half yards per target. 13 catches for 30 or more, which was second. Um, to me, how fast he runs as well. Jamar Chase can run uh, all the routes on the route tree. He's got his quarterback, his friend, and Joe Burrow. That's a deadly quarterback-wide receiver duo. I like Jamar Chase. You know, to me, I think he can be one of the next great wide receivers, the way we talk about Randy Moss um, and Jerry Rice. T.O., I think Jamar Chase can be mentioned with those names when it's all said and done. Um, I don't think long. He'll be wide receiver one in the NFL. I think he's only going to get better. But Justin Jefferson, it's a close, close fourth because his rookie year was great, but his sophomore year, his second year in the league, was even better, almost a perfect season in terms of his pro football focus rating of 90.1, you know, 1,600 yards, 10 touchdowns. Um, To me, it's, you know, Justin Jefferson even splitting. He's getting much more targets than Adam Thielen. Uh, But Jefferson, you know, makes a lot of damage, uh, causes a lot of damage to opposing defenses. Um, he's not as fast as Jamar Chase, but to me, he can still take the top off of a defense. So that's one thing there. I'll give it to Justin Jefferson. That's no disrespect to Justin Jefferson. I think he's a heck of a wide receiver. And to me, those are the clear-cut kind of top four wide receivers. Then you get to your next tier. They got Tyreek at five. I might have Tyreek a little bit down. Uh, just because of his drops last year, um, to me, it, were, it was very unordinary. But to me, he still takes the top off a of defense um, with his speed. But not only that, but his ability uh, to, you know, after the catch as well, to still burn defenders and make big plays is a tremendous wide receiver. Stephon Diggs, another great, great wide receiver. DeAndre Hopkins, great catching ability. I think 
he's might have taken a step back. Mike Evans, in there as well. To me, Mike Evans is the most consistent wide receiver considering his career. You know, eight years every year, a thousand yard seasons. Nobody else has done that to intervally. I mean, Mike Evans is a model of consistency. Debo Samuel in there, uh, he's to me is a bit low, uh, but they're just factoring in the wide receiver uh, skill set where they're not factoring in the wide back of a running back role and how that exactly will develop with Debo. And then DK Metcalf at 10 um, as well. So to me, it's a solid list of wide receivers in that group. Next, I'll go through running backs. Derrick Henry, one. To me, that's consensus. Jonathan Taylor, two. Um, and you got your other guys. Nick Chubb, three. Dalvin Cook, four. Kamara, five. Uh, to me, the biggest drop was Christian McCaffrey. Last year, number five. Uh, one of the best by injuries have hurt Christian McCaffrey. And I think if Christian McCaffrey has another injury-prone year this year, um, who knows how much longer Christian McCaffrey's shelf life is uh, in the NFL. Personally, I'd rank Najee Harris ahead of Christian McCaffrey uh, because of how good he was last year and his volume as well. Um, Najee Harris is just a beast. But people out of here, you know, Saquon Barkley has dealt with, um, you know, men's injuries. He's got the talent, but the injuries, the uh, decline as well in his game, just not there. Ezekiel Elliott, again, off of the list to me, he's a good player, but he's no longer that rookie Zeke, year one or year three, or year two, year three Zeke. Um, he's just not that guy anymore. Um, so again, I agree with that uh, list for the most part. So that's most of the NFL now move on uh, to the NBA. And I'm going to start with the Warriors winning the NBA Finals. It was hard for me to watch it as well. As I said it a lot throughout the NBA playoffs. Um, the more I watched Golden State, the more the memories of 2015 to 2018 crept back in with this team. Steph Curry showboating and front running, which to me he did a lot more this year in this playoff series than he did in years past. Draymond Green, all he did was talk and never showed up and played. His finals was terrible. Um, Clay Thompson had a couple good games his playoffs uh, run, but he wasn't that good. But Steph won finals MVP. Won his fourth finals. And things have gotten out of hand now since that has happened. Steph is vaulted into the top ten player of all time conversation. And even some have placed Steph ahead of LeBron James. Which is blasphemous. Blasphemous. Why? Because they're just taking... This. They are highlighting Stephen Curry while they are tearing down LeBron James. They say, oh, Steph has four finals. Oh, LeBron has four finals. But Steph can do something LeBron can't do. He's the greatest shooter of all time, whereas LeBron's the greatest one of all time. They say, it's clear that Steph is better. And I just don't agree. Why? Because, yes, Steph has won four, but he's won one finals MVP out of the three, out of the four finals trips, out of the four finals wins. LeBron, out of his four finals, he's the MVP every time. He's been the best player in his finals that he's won. And in some losses, he's even been the best player. And we just can't say the same about Steph. Defensively, LeBron and Steph are worlds apart. LeBron has been on multiple all defensive first teams. Steph has never done that. And LeBron should have won a defensive player of the year by Marcus Gasol, but we won't get into that. LeBron, to me, is a much better passer than Steph Curry. LeBron will end his career top 10 passing. Who knows if Steph will even get there. So LeBron's a better passer. 
if we're going to talk about score, LeBron's a better score. He's a 26, 8, and 8 guy. Steph, he's not that. Um, he's a 50, 40, 90 guy. So shooting, efficiency like that, I'll give it to Steph. But scoring it will. Give me LeBron James. Give me his passing. Give me his basketball IQ. Give me his four MVPs to Steph twos. Um, again, LeBron, he's done more with less. And Steph has always had great teams. He's had Clay Thompson around him, Draymond Green this year, Andrew Wiggins. He's had Kevin Durant. LeBron's never had those caliber players on his team. He's never had an Andrew Wiggins type player to go along with a Clay and Draymond Green. He's never had three all-stars together on his team. He's had two. He's had the Kyrie, he's had the Kyrie, the Kevin Love, the Chris Bosh, and the Dwayne Wade. He's had AD, but he's never had, you know, a death lineup that we talk about with the Warriors. We call it a death lineup. Every year they have a new iteration of the death lineup where they massively outscore the opponent. Has LeBron ever had a death lineup? No, he's not. So I'm not putting Steph Curry passing LeBron, and I'm not putting him in the top 10. I'll put him in the top 12. I think he's knocking on the door, 11-12. But there's so many other great players outside of, you know, the LeBron James debate now. Um, Michael Jordan, of course, the GOAT himself. Uh, you have Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, um, Larry Bird. You have a, so many good players, Hakeem Olajuwon, Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant. There's so many. So I'm not putting Steph in the top 10 of all time. Can't do it. Not yet. But there is still more time left. Now time to get into Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. What drama that has been for a few weeks. Uh, I mean, Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving was looking into a trade. Then he opts in. A day later, Kevin Durant then requests a trade. And the rumors have been flying. Kyrie Irving... Um, now he wants to stay in Brooklyn no matter what. Kevin Durant still wants to trade. doesn't want to play with Kyrie. The story changes every day. So who knows what's 100% accurate. I don't think anyone knows that. But Kevin Durant, his wish list, Suns, and Heat. Don't think the Heat are getting him. That's too complicated. I'll talk about the Heat in just a moment. Suns. Do I want to see him go to the Suns? No, because, of course, with LeBron and the other team, but it just depends on how much they would gut their team. I think a Suns trade works, you know, with the makings of a McHale, a Cam Johnson. Uh, maybe if you add in a Jay Crowder, and then if you have your four first-round picks and pick swaps, it could work. They don't want a DeAndre Aiden, and I'll talk about DeAndre again in just a moment uh, here. But maybe a three-team trade, uh, Aiden would have to go to the Pacers. Again, I'll talk about that in a moment. But it's, who knows. But there's three teams I would like KD to go to. One, the Grizzlies. Why? They can move um, pieces. They can move a Dylan Brooks. Um, maybe a Jaron Jackson. I wouldn't want to move Jaron Jackson. Uh, but if you could move a Dylan Brooks. Um, maybe a Desmond Bain um, and a bunch of draft picks. Um, maybe a Steven Adams for salaries to match. Um, but then you've got Ja, KD, and Jaron Jackson. I like that. I like Ja and KD where Ja's going to play. You know, KD has the space, Jaron Jackson down low. That's a good lineup to me. I like that. Mavericks. Luka and KD. That's all you need to know. Luka Doncic and KD. Luka willed the Mavs as far as he can. I believe he hit the ceiling, which is him by himself. It's the conference finals. That's as far as Luka will ever go alone. They lost Jalen Brunson. So to me, they're back 
down to the second round. They get KD, they're a contender. Luka and KD, that's a contender no matter where they're at. And then the Lakers. I would like to see him go to the Lakers in a trade for LeBron James, a LeBron-KD swap. To me, uh, there's been writers reporting about that. I would love to see a LeBron-KD swap because KD, he can get his, his 30 points on a nightly basis no matter who's around him. He's with a defender in Anthony Davis um, who takes that load off of Kevin Durant. Um, if the... You know, if they mend the fence, Russell and uh, Kevin Durant, Westbrook and Durant, which they have, they know each other. I think they can play well together. But if not, you try to trade Russell still. And if not, you know, you still get that money out next year and you could sign a, another max player next year. But that would help. And, of course, LeBron, to me, that would help out LeBron as well because he's surrounded by shooters and Patty Mills, Joe Harris, Seth Curry. They got the defense and Ben Simmons, Royce O'Neal. They got Kyrie Irving. So, to me, that trade makes a ton of sense if they were to do a LeBron Katie swap where the salaries match, um, the player matches as well. I like that trade. Will Kyrie Irving go to the Lakers? I don't know. I don't know if Kyrie will get there. I would love for Kyrie to become a member of the Los Angeles Lakers. It's been reported that the trade hasn't been done is because the Lakers don't want to trade or trade two draft picks in a swap for Kyrie and Russell Westbrook, which to me doesn't make a ton of sense because that's a draft pick 27 and 29 in 2027 and 2029. I don't think LeBron will be around in 2027 or 2029. Who knows if Kyrie's even around in 2027, 2029. Same with Russell Westbrook. So you're banking on AD, and you're hoping most two draft picks pan out for you then when AD is 34, past his prime. You want to win now if you're the Lakers. You've already mortgaged the closer future. Why not just go all in now and say, screw it. We'll revisit this back in 2030. Or we'll try to wheel and deal later. But let's try to win one more championship with LeBron James and AD. Kyrie Irving's our best bet compared to Russell Westbrook. It will not work out with Russell Westbrook. The sad thing is when they show Russell Westbrook playing this past year, it's sad. It's sad because there's no highlights from Russell Westbrook that are good highlights, like, wow, that shot was great. Oh, look at that dunk. It is missed dunks, missed layups, shots off the backboard that nowhere close to the net, off the side of the backboard. It's terrible. It's sad. The passes, you know, are Aaron hits fans. It's it's not good. It, it's It's sadly pathetic. Russell Westbrook needs to go to a different team. They need to take him in the car, drive him to a field, just drop him off, let him free. You need to let Russ free. Free Russ, please. Free him from the Lakers. Free him from LeBron. Or else the Lakers will be irrelevant for all of next year uh, if Russell Westbrook is still attached to the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, and LeBron and AD are still there. And then in other news in the NBA today, DeAndre Aiden signed a max offer sheet from the Indiana Pacers. Uh, I was sort of surprised by this. Uh, I wasn't surprised, but now that he is... With the Pacers, to me, it means the Suns' plans have to speed up. Because once uh, the offer sheet is signed um, by the Pacers, uh, you know, all Phoenix can really do is match it. Um, of course, Brooklyn has, the Brooklyn Nets have not really wanted Aiden. Um, so 
you know, of course, this would be a three-team trade, Nets, Suns, and Pacers. But if the Suns match it, then what happens? They're $15 million over the luxury tax. So that means that they do not have the access to a non-tax player mid-level exception. This salary cap hurts them. Why else does it hurt them? Um, because they've got other, you know, players coming, you know, like Cam Johnson's that, you know, it hurts in the future of a Jay Crowder's, maybe a Cal Bridges as well, especially when you take into the fact that Devin Booker's contract uh, will go into um, effect soon. So time is ticking for the Phoenix Suns to make a deal for KD um, in the three-team trade. Um, it speeds up the process, which I'm glad because this thing with KD has slowly been killing me. I'm just thinking him and Kyrie are going to go back to the Nets, and this is going to be the biggest, or this is going to feel like one of the biggest fizzles where it's like you're hyping something up so much, you know, all the possibilities, and nothing really happens, and it's just disappointment. Um, to me, it rem- this is severely reminding me of Doctor Strange 2 where I was hyping up cameo on cameo, all the possibilities. It was just a, it was a good movie, nothing great. This is what I'm feeling like this is dragging out to be. This Kevin Durant thing's not really great. It could still turn into something, but if the Suns and this DeAndre Eden, he goes with the Pacers or the Suns just match it, then it's kind of over. The Suns are kind of out of it, but one wishlist team, and as I'll get into Miami in a second, I think they're out of it. And it really leaves the Warriors then. And I'll touch on that. The Warriors, Warriors, Warriors could make a trade package for KD. And I think it would be the most enticing trade package. And I think a lot of other NBA experts believe that because they could trade their future first-round picks. They could trade Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole, Moses Moody, Kaminga, Wiseman, a variation of those guys. For KD, and the NBA's over again. It's KD, Clay Thompson, Steph, Draymond, a team that just won the finals with Andrew Wiggins. I mean, it's crazy. That variation of the court, Steph, uh, Curry, and uh, Steph Curry, Clay, and uh, Draymond, they've won that with Andre Iguodala starting in there. They made it to the finals with Harrison Barnes, and Kevin Durant won two finals, and now Andrew Wiggins have won one finals. So, to me, it just, Kevin Durant were to go there, it'd, to me, be weaker than the 2017 move, because we've seen that movie before. We see it again. We know what happens. It's just unfair. It's not fair. Um, you can just give the Warriors a title for however long that core stays together. Um because nothing will change. So, again, I don't want that to happen at all. Next up, Donovan Mitchell. He didn't request a trade, but the Jazz are opening or open to listening to offers for him. And I think there's really two teams in mind here. The biggest one, you know, the biggest elephant in the room is the New York Knicks. Why? Because Donovan Mitchell from New York loves New York. I think his dad works for Mets. He goes to Mets games. He goes to Rangers games. It's offseason. It's in New York. Why not go to the Knicks? Because they've got eight tradable picks uh, to use. Um, Why not just trade it out to get Donovan Mitchell? You pair him with Jalen Brunson. Not a great defensive backcourt, but it's an entertaining backcourt and will definitely sell tickets in Madison Square Garden. And I think they go from a non-playoff team to a playoff team. I think they go at least firmly in a play-in, but could definitely make a first-round noise, and that's your ceiling uh, with them. But it's not real, real exciting. Where things get exciting is Miami Heat, and there have been reports that Miami Heat, you know, have shifted their focus away from Kevin Durant because that trade is just too difficult to make to a more viable trade and Donovan Mitchell. And it makes sense. 
they've got first round picks to trade. So if they can trade three, four first round picks, two or three swaps, Tyler Hero, a Duncan Robinson, and maybe even a Struess or a, another one of those players. They've got a good team. Uh, maybe a their first round pick, whoever it was, you know, and they say yes to that, you know, then you got Kyle Lowry, Donovan Mitchell, Jimmy Butler, bam, that takes them, you know, to a whole new level. That takes them to where their ceiling was losing in the NBA Finals. Um, I think the current iteration of this team is they can make it to the NBA Finals. It's a difficult road, but we've seen it before. Um, this year they lost in the Game 7 in the Conference uh, uh, Finals, but that's your ceiling. It's losing in the NBA Finals. It's making it to the Conference Finals. They get a Donovan Mitchell. Uh, yes, they lose some depth, but they get him. To me, their defense doesn't drop out because they still got Jimmy Butler and Bam and you know Tyler Hero and um, Duncan Robinson. Or uh, Duncan Robinson became unplayable because of his lack of defense. So at least you have Donovan Mitchell, who's more reliable score. This puts the Heat right up there with to me. Zooms them past the Celtics, um, and you've got a nice Celtics, or you've got a nice Bucks. Heat, to me, conference finals looming. That would be very enjoyable. I think the Miami Heat, I think Pat Riley, he's looking to win one more chip before he retires as the general manager of the Heat. I think he's an exhausted option. I think he knows what he has to do. I think he can pull off a Donovan Mitchell trade. Wouldn't be surprised if they get Donovan Mitchell, that is the Miami Heat. Next on the NBA topic list, Damian Lillard said that winning a title wouldn't be as fulfilling somewhere else. So it would be somewhat fulfilling, but just not that fulfilling. You know what's funny? Damian Lillard made a commercial a few years ago that said he didn't want to be one of those greats that never won a ring. Then there was an NFL player, I think Barry Sanders, um, Looked at him like, hey, and then he's like, NBA greats uh, never won a ring. Uh, and, you know, it showed another NBA player, I forget who it was. Um, but then he's like, oh, no, not you, like an NBA legend who never won a ring, like Carl Malone. Well, guess what, Damian Lillard? We talked about Carl Malone as a legend because he was. One of the, you know, was on the all-time scoring list. It was number two until LeBron passed him this year. So he was, he's now number three. But he was a scorer. Um, great regular season player. Won a couple MVPs. Um, lost in the finals twice to Michael Jordan. Damian Lillard, you're not on that projection anymore. You started in this league your rookie year. You won one rookie of the year. Now we fast forward to today. Guess what? You still have the one rookie of the year. No conference titles to your name. Haven't made it to an NBA Finals. Haven't won an MVP. You're just not that guy. Now you have some clutch, you know, first-round shots. I'll give you that. Rockets and Paul George won. But to me, first round of the playoffs, your clutch moments doesn't mean as much as LeBron or Michael Jordan. Steph Curry, in the NBA Finals. So Damian Lillard, to me, might be lost. You know, if they were to redo the NBA 75 in five or six years, who knows if Damian Lillard, he's about probably number 75 on that list. Um, but Damian Lillard might very well one day, which I think he will be, um, he's going to stay with the Trailblazers, and he's just going to be lost. Nobody will talk about him. Um, anymore, it'll be like, remember that has Portland ever had a great player? Google it. Oh, yeah, Dame Lillard. But, yeah, Dame, yeah, he, he, was, he was good. But it wouldn't be like, oh, that guy was a legend. He was just a solid, good NBA player. 
that's it from Dave. Now I want to congratulate the Colorado Avalanche for winning the Stanley Cup Finals. They deserve it. Um, they do. Um, this was a team that I thought was going to win the Stanley Cup Finals. I had them going to the Finals playing Pittsburgh, and I thought they'd do it. So I was right. Kale McCarr was great. Nathan McKinnon. And I'm just happy that they beat the Lightning. I was tired of the Lightning. Avalanche have beat them, and then now Avalanche have lost Andre Pilat. They had to trade Ryan McDonough. Rudda went to the Penguins. So congratulations to the Avalanche for beating the enemy. It's been truly great. Uh, now in terms of the NHL, um, free agency, some big names on the move. Johnny Goodrow is signed with the Blue Jackets. That was, to me, was a stunning move because um, he was talking about the Islanders, the Flyers, maybe the Devils. So to go to the Blue Jackets, uh, definitely stunning. Ryan Strom left the Rangers. Um, Nazim Kadri is still unsigned. Um, but there's been a lot of moves, you know, in the NHL. And I'll dedicate another podcast to that. Uh, later. And the last thing I want to touch on, because this is another big thing uh, that has continuously been on my mind, and that is the PGA Tour versus Live Golf. Uh, There's been a lot of comments now that since my last podcast, Live Golf has become official. They've had tournaments, and a couple of key guys have left um, the PGA Tour. Um, they're definitely more outspoken about it uh, than the PGA Tour. Uh, Phil Mickelson has left. He said he couldn't be happier with his decision. Brooks Kepka, total snake. That's what Rory McIlroy said as well. Uh, duplicitous. Um, because, you know, he said he's not going a couple months ago. And, you know, he gets a $100 million check he signs. Same with Bryson DeChambeau. But he said they're both looking out for their families. Last time I checked, they don't have families. Uh, so, not being rude, but that's just the truth. Um, and then you've got other bums, you know, the Pat Perez's, the Sergio Garcia's. The guys way past their prime. So, to me, the only key names they have are Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka, and Dustin Johnson. Justin Johnson's, to me, their clear headliner. Bryson DeChambeau is too inconsistent. He doesn't really win tournaments. Brooks Kepka hasn't won a tournament in a while. Hasn't really been a factor in majors in a while either. To me, it's clear that it's Dustin Johnson. A lot of their other players are old. But I, I'm on the PGA Tour side. And a lot of people are like, oh, the competition, it's good for the sport. Well, are there... Two, is there another NBA association that's trying to start up and steal top players like Kevin Durant to join their league? No. Is there another one in the NHL that are trying to steal Nathan McKinnon and Connor McDavid? Of course not. In the NFL, are players, you know, is there another league out there that's trying to take top players like a Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen? No, they're not. It's just a PGA Tour. And the PGA Tour did rectify things, increase their purses next year, make the schedule a little different in response to that. Um, and I think they handled it the right way. Uh, but the PGA Tour has suspended players. Um, they have teed it up at the Live Golf events. Um, they've resigned. Patrick Reed, you know, others, Graham uh, McDowell, I believe, have resigned their PGA memberships. And to me, um, the Live Golf, it's an absolute joke. Uh I don't care about the, well, most, some of it's about, you know, the moral corruptness of the uh, Saudis. Um, but Live Golf is an absolute joke. It's an, Greg Norman, an absolute joke. Uh, what it is, is they're simply just trying to buy golf. And it's weird because they're not really official yet with world golf rankings. So, 
it's hard it's hard to rank them. So, and if they do get rankings, it's going to be different because they don't play a seventy-two hole four-day tournament. It's fifty-four holes, hence the Roman numeral live. And you had that presence there. Oh, Rory McIlroy has been outspoken about live golf, and I've been full support of him. Tiger Woods, Justin Thomas, but most of the key guys in the world right now, the Colin Morikawa's, the Rory McIlroy's, the Justin Thomas's, Scotty Scheffler, Abraham Answer, Matt Fitzpatrick. They're all on the PGA Tour. Biggest backer, of course, still Tiger Woods, Patrick Cantlay. John Rahm, Xander Schauffele, Hovland, top guys on the points, Jordan Spieth, Will Zalatoris, Billy Horschel, Tony Finau. Guess what? All those guys, top 15, they're all PGA Tour players. So the PGA Tour is in good hands. A couple of the road dogs, the Dustin Johnsons, the Brooks Koepkas, Louis who stays in the DeChambeau. Those are all guys I've lost respect for, whatever respect I have for him. Phil Mickelson's probably the biggest one. Um, but, you know, they made, made their bed. They lay in it. You know, they took the easy way out. Um, they followed the money, chased the money. Um, and I think all of that has very much tarnished their legacies, especially the younger guys. Um, you know, what can't even live golf's not even televised i don't even know how to watch it um the fans you know ian poulter was booed today at the open i hope rory mcelroy wins that one but live golf it's an absolute joke just an absolute joke um that they're joining and again it's not like it's all the great players either it's you know three or four iconic names in there out of a foolish bunch. So I don't think it's going to gain much traction. It'll slowly, eventually die away one day. Um, that'll be it for Live Golf. And this has been Unbothered. I'm happy to be back doing a podcast. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye, everybody.